All right. Good morning, everybody. All my one listeners. It's time for another update. <coughs> so, I've been thinking a lot. So little anecdote. My son um, is playing Minecraft. And he said to me, Daddy, I want to play Minecraft with you where I am in creative mode and you're in survival mode. Where he basically wants to have power over me. And he can do whatever he wants and I have to do what he wants. I thought that was pretty funny. And um, <clears throat> Minecraft gives you, you know, the ability to change your environment. And it's harder to play in survival mode. And life is about surviving and about constraints and dealing with those uh, limited resources. So <clears throat> we started to play Minecraft IRL in real life. So we're crafting or building a little fort for the back of the backyard. And um, I'm trying to connect this the fun and the power that he has with Minecraft and computers with the real world and using some motor skills. And um, he discovered how hard it is to, uh, to do stuff IRL and how powerless he is. And I think that's what it is. The kids, the people, I mean, they feel empowered by the computer. And the real world is just so different. Yeah, so that's uh, what I've been thinking about. And um, go for a walk. <clears throat> so the connection here is that. Um, it's easy to talk about stuff, it's hard to do it. It's easy to have great plans and great ideas, but uh, to actually bring them into reality is more difficult. So, you need to have a foundation, platform, something to stand on. And um, I've talked about a bunch of my ideas, and I finally decided on my stake in the ground, as I said before, with the, um, the simple uh, serverless deployment functions, and um, since I've been using AWS a lot at work, I decided to, um, to learn how to use another cloud, so I've been studying Azure functions the past two days working on, I mean, first I made a simple eval function, which is totally easy. Um, by clicking it together. Next, I um, set up Ansible. Uh, I need Ansible to deploy a function. But that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about, um, what I learned from that. So in AWS, 
you'll create an S3 bucket for a layer. And then the lambda, you post the actual source code of the lambda is stored somehow in the lambda service. Um, but in as your functions, you use a script, an npm script, I guess, to upload a squash file system into container storage. It seems um, I'm still fuzzy on the details, but it definitely creates a storage. It stores the source code in some kind of version control system in the container storage. It also stores um, two other buckets, but they're stored in container storage. We're not using buckets like in AWS. Mm. There's some lock files and some configuration files and some secret files that are all stored in container storage and also the source control. And um, <clears throat> I have to look exactly how that uh, build script works, and it's going to be my next step to package that up. But I've gotten the answer to the work. So you create three resources. One is a storage for your function. The second is a um, application. The second is an application. Um, Settings or a, uh, I think it's called app settings. I forget exactly the name. And the third is a function uh, resource. And those three things together will make a function. So the storage is used to store the, uh, the source code, the um, settings. Or basically saying how many services, how many threads, and so forth, and then you deploy it to a, a function, not function. The names are all a little bit weird, but uh, it's interesting because they actually have the source code for the um, Azure functions in C, C sharp, and you can look at it. It's also Python executor. So you know, kudos to Microsoft for actually making this open source. I still need to dig deeper into it. Again, there's a node module for packaging it up. So, Ansible <clears throat> is working for the creating of these resources, but you can't actually publish a function directly using the API. You've got to go through, well, at least not the API in Ansible. You have to go through the uh, node module. So I'm sorry that I don't have uh, all of the knowledge yet, but I'm making progress. And it is quite different from Amazon. I'm glad that I uh, took the time to actually study this. It's a real eye opener. So my vision is that. You know, there's like three or four different functions that you can call in Node to um, initialize a new function and then to upload it. 
Yeah, and that's my plan um, to package all of that up in a node runtime and uh, be able to call those functions. So I have the Python runtime for calling Ansible um, to create the resources, so to say, the three different resources that you need. That creates the uh, server side things. Cloud resources. And then the second one is going to be the Node.js that's going to um, actually package up the, the Python and run it. Now, there's a third step here that we haven't talked about. So let's just assume that we can get the um, ability to load, upload a uh, function using JavaScript into the uh, storage update the source code. Now, it could also read um, the source code you get. But let's just say that we're going to use the local, uh, the local source code repository. It basically creates an SCM. Uh, sorry, I'm hitting the main road here. So maybe we could skip all of this and just say, hey, get the first question from GitHub or something. But uh, maybe you don't want your question from GitHub. Anyway, I'm going to move forward on this step by step and learn all the pieces. So once we have all of that, um, I also look at the functions, the, um, the traces, the REST API. Yeah, so there's a REST API that's being used by Ansible. Uh, the Python module for following those Microsoft REST API. That seems to be auto-generated. Um, so that whole part there um, the OAuth and you know if you run these functions inside of the Azure shell which I am meaning the hosted VM it's already authenticated so you don't need any credentials it's just there this is credentials and Inside of the function, I'll also have a password. Yeah, so I'm thinking that um, eventually we'll be able to trace all of the REST API calls and understand how they're being generated and then we can simulate those um, like a state machine. And a generic execution engine further down the road. The intermediate step would be to package up the um, Ansible modules. So I use the save temps in Ansible to generate the temporary files. It basically allows you to save and snapshot. That's what we, that's what X is how we did, I think we talked about that in the previous episode. 
where um, Ansible is, um, it creates a zip file that encodes that zip file base64 and includes it in a Python script, which then unpacks it, and then um, a contemporary file, and then uh, runs that. I also looked into the eval function. Now it is possible in the eval to um, include modules using the underscore underscore or the gender include. And um, I did some experiments with you know what it would be like to actually just uh, eval the entire code, but um, you have to rewrite your Python. And I'm sure those modules that would do that, that would actually do the eval. And I'm thinking that we could just compile the thing to an AST and then um, encode that and then eval the um, interpreting of the AST. I mean, there's got to be ways that we could convert larger pieces of code to an eval function, but that's part of the scope right now. It's going to require more work. But it's an interesting idea to uh, create a uh, compiler that will take arbitrary Python code and convert it into eval form, so it could just be passed with eval function. Doodle, I'm sure, would be really enjoy that. Um, all right, so we're not going to do that. We're basically going to create a couple of different functions. Um, and I'm a little fuzzy if, if a function application can have multiple functions or not. And I also had to, I also encountered my first bugs, like the example in uh, Ansible for just creating a function resource without the storage and without the, uh, whatever it's called, the third part application settings. That actually failed. And um, you get all sorts of weird errors from uh, a Azure API with no feedback at all. So obviously it's not the um, most user-friendly thing to use, but I was able to get around that. And um, We're going to have basically a function for uh, creating the, uh, the module we're going to have in Python. We're going to have the uh, JavaScript compiling it. We're going to have the ability to convert later down the road. We want the ability to convert the Ansible modules to functions. So we're going to have the Ansible to Lambda or Ansible to uh, AWS function, and uh, you do that, we want to dynamically generate these uh, lambdas, 
or have a generic Lambda. It looks like it'll be easier to uh, package the entire Ansible up inside of a Lambda than, um, I mean, inside of a Azure function than the AWS Lambda. So we'll see how that works. And we're still going to need the whole execution engine. So the code that does the whole um, execution orchestration uh, is not part of that. It's just the actual module execution. And then the uh, parts of uh, capturing the network package, capturing the API calls, and being able to uh, play them in some kind of a state machine that's further down the road. So that's kind of my roadmap. Obviously this is uh, super, super detailed. I don't think um, anybody's going to be really too interested in what I have to say here, but I'm just saying it helps me uh, reflect over it and get it out. So reflection. Introspection. Hey, just talking about things helps. So maybe uh, regurgitation or reiteration. I don't know exactly the right term. Talk about something. If it's actual reflection or not. I mean, it's an internal reflection. It's not speaking about it. It's not. But that's something to think about. That's. Yeah, but I think the whole foundation, this whole foundation idea is really um, driving me. I was listening to the Jocko podcast where they're talking about the creation of Top Gun and how the uh, They were over uh, exact, and uh, they weren't allowed to make any mistakes. You know, the uniforms had to be perfect when they were presenting the idea to the generals. Everything had to be exactly perfect. And I realize how far away I am. You know, and how uh, it's hard to. Uh, write the perfect code, and, but I think by making an actual foundation like this, the functions are actually quite small. It's not like I'm going to write a ton of Azure functions, I'm going to write a couple of them, um, and learn the basic uh, framework, and after that it'll be uh, basically the same, so for the clouds, you know, going to have a way to uh, gonna have a lambda that can create lambda. Uh, and then we're going to have a one-click deploy for that lambda. So you deploy one lambda that can be used to deploy lambda. And then um, 
we'll have a main Ansible driver, which will be generic, which will uh, use those lambdas. It'll be a modified version of Ansible. And it'll uh, first compile all the modules you need into different lambdas, ready to go, or one. not even said that you can't uh, run uh, AWS Lambda provisions uh, Azure uh, API. I mean, that's even possible. Um, you might find that the uh, Google Cloud is cheaper for execution or that Amazon is cheaper for execution, so you might actually want to, uh, you know, Let's say use the Google Cloud shell because it's cheaper than the Azure shell, which I found out. The Azure shell um, charges you for storage, and the Google Cloud doesn't, which is kind of interesting. But I bit the bullet and I signed up for the, uh, I'm going to pay a little bit for Microsoft. Just the price of learning, even if I'm against paying for things. But you have to pay to go to school and buy books. So I figured a little bit of uh, learning cost is nothing for me. And um, I guess what I really need is the um, ability to set up the cloud shell using Ansible from scratch. And then destroy it after I'm done. So that's that should be a nice little project to work on. Oh, this place is pretty much dug off a hospital. So um, yeah, they're digging this new road here. So once I've already started this stuff, I'll leave You know, and you've got free shells as well, but, uh, you know, you might not want to store your credentials on those free shells, and that gets into the whole issue of uh, credentials and security, you know, SSH, and all that fun stuff. So I was thinking, you know... And I haven't even mentioned this idea of the uh, reverse shells that I found. So I'm researching into Azure and how to deploy. And um, I found security research created these reverse shells for all three major platforms. And that's kind of what I'm working on. It's not really a reverse shell. Um, 
because I want to use uh, lambdas to execute Python code. But absolutely, you could just set up a reverse shell and then execute your um, Ansible via the shell. Um, I don't think that's secure, secure and it wouldn't be a very good selling point, but definitely an interesting idea. And we don't want to allow arbitrary execution. We want to allow limited execution. And um, in the end, um, we might not create a generic lambda that will create lambdas, but we'll create specific resources like You might create a lambda that has no parameters, or let's just say a generic function, a web function, an Azure function that takes no parameters, and it deploys another function specifically. So let's just call it a deployer function. So it would be one that you can click on. Now the reason why you'd want to do that is that, as far as I know, you can't actually deploy function with code. I guess if you stored it remotely. So we're gonna have to get into that. Maybe the maybe the idea is you would store it on GitHub and deploy it directly. You wouldn't need that extra NVM stuff. No. Wow, my brain is all over the place this morning. Truly random. So um, that needs to be decided. But let's just say that you can't um, have everything in GitHub. And uh, you want to deploy the code, specific versions of the code, into the user environment. You want to deliver a certain bit of code to them. And you don't actually want it to be public. Like you would create a specific piece of code. Let's say this code will be deployed to you by clicking on this uh, resource package, right? So you would create a lambda that would do all the work of creating another lambda. If that makes any sense. You would execute this code. which will create, you know, how is that going to actually work? The MDM stuff has to be executed on another machine. As far as I understand. Now you can execute that, the node module in a Lambda, but I think that the first piece of code is going to have to come from outside. So in order for you to get for you to get the execution, we're going to have to create the uh, put it on GitHub and hope that we can create the function without um, having to run it. This is like a chicken and the egg problem. Where are you going to get, how are you going to get the code into the system to run for the first time? 
because uh, otherwise we'll have to go back to the shell. And that's how Microsoft sets it all up. So like, oh yeah, execute this in the shell. But what if I don't want to execute in the shell? So that's the step of the product. I think that basically settles it. We're going to have to start with a uh, external Git repo that contains the, um, the setup code. And then you're going to click on that. It's going to set up a Lambda function in your environment. And then when that Lambda function is set up, you're going to execute that Lambda function in your environment with parameters to set up another code, which could be then private. So it'll take public code, execute that, and then the parameters will then allow you to execute the private code. And then we can deliver that private code to another channel. Let's say internal storage and then application to the app. Other phone will pull that code in. pull the code in from third from our hosting and then um, inject that into your environment Yeah. So that's kind of a message transmission now. So that's kind of where we're at this thought process. I think it's moving along. Now, yeah, this flutter looks good. I haven't actually looked into it in detail. But uh, for the web app and the mobile app, we're just going to assume OAuth, a simple context. I think uh, we can create a web app hosted in the Lambda somehow to uh, do all of this. So, um, yeah, so what would be the steps for bootstrapping? Uh, first step is provision your account with Cloud Slider or Reader Destination. Um, then uh, you log into the account and you pull your resources by like a one-click install. Um, or we do that for you as well if you're going to set up your account. But uh, once your account is set up, you don't want us to have an access to We're going to have to like, hand that over to you and then initiate a password change routine. We'll go and rotate all the keys. And then the password is only restored locally. So once you've established control of your account via the app, and you also have the console for that, and we have to plug into a password provider that meets the criteria. And I suppose this all could be the web app. 
local storage and all that fun stuff. Thank you. 
execution of a certain module. Of an arbitrary module. Let's say if an arbitrary lab execution. Be able to trace that. Sort of an introspection. Okay. So that's cool, but those that might give you a lot of low-level details of what's going on. Like you might be using some APIs that you don't want to use. You want to transform those APIs and move from one SQL to another, from one storage back into another. So. to truncate those system calls at a certain point where the intent is separated from the, the actual implementation. So what I'm thinking is um, Basically, you're giving certain parameters or registers that are being captured at certain times in a certain area or context. When you interrupt the execution of capture, you might say, when you're entering in the SQL module or before that. We have to look at the, you know, different tools for capturing and intercepting. I'm thinking first is a good tool for that. Just look at something like that running. And even if it's just Python, that's fine with me, or Django. But basically my long-term goal is, hey, get a lot of PHP scripts and WordPress and all that. How come they haven't been made serverless yet? Why are we paying so much for WordPress? And all these other great web apps that are built in the, uh, let's just call it, um, server-bound framework. How come we can't transform a bunch of apps into serverless? Nextcloud looks very interesting. How come we can't have a serverless Nextcloud? You know? Why can't we make it easy to run these things in Lambda or cloud functions? So that's um, kind of where I'm going. It's where we want ability to basically, like the reverse shell spin up an arbitrary shell, log into it, and runs the program. Well, we want to be able to create a Lambda that executes a specific program within certain bounds and says, oh, when you reach this point into the execution, stop and return. So it's like, take this code, start at this point, here's your parameters, um, and you might want to freeze the execution. Like you could say, not only stop, but freeze, and save that freeze point. So like the CRIU, the um, checkpoint and restore user space task. Well, why can't we uh, run CRIO test process in the Lambda, stop it at a certain point, checkpoint that, and then the Lambda would continue 
um, the execution of that checkpoint until we reach another specified point and then we stop or go out of bounds stopping the execution. So you're allowed to run through these paths that we deemed appropriate ahead of time and then uh, we stop you. It might be possible using Kriu because these lambdas or these systems are basically giving you a containerized execution, as far as I understand. So if you can get a shell into them, then, hey, you can do a lot more. <coughs> so, uh, oh, here's a little life support tip. Uh, don't fall asleep in a desk in your office. Go to, go to your car and fall asleep. Much safer. <coughs> All right, guys. So that is my update for today. I think uh, we reached finally some good ideas. Uh, the new idea was Creo. Uh, I'm going to publish this um, and torture some more people who may or may not listen to it. If you've made it to the end, hey, congratulations. Let me know. Um, you win a prize. I don't know what it is. But I'll think of something nice for you. That's not as reasonable. Oh, speaking about owing people things. Damn. Some people, not name any names, uh, think we don't need money, we just need obligations to each other. And we uh, can just trap people into owing you things or agreeing to things. Um, and they're like, oh, well. I need you to do this. Can you do this? And then they're going to start hammering you on it. Um, I think it's a little antisocial in some respects because, you know, people don't necessarily want to be pinned down to things. And, you know. But I just want to respond and say that the open source mentality is uh, looser than that where people are producing code scratch their own issues and then sharing them in a common framework. So the obligation that you have is to uh, follow the copyright and it only obliges you to share the code with people you're giving code to or the computables to. Or GPL. And um, hey, I think that's uh, pretty basic obligation that's uh, conducive, but instead of like telling people they owe each other and like this whole, and I understand uh, if you have to get stuff done, you need firm commitments and, uh, you know, project management and you need people to live up to their expectations. That's like inside of a company or inside of a project, but on the broader internet, I guess you would say this person owes me this and I'll give you this for that for that. I think the looser open source licenses are a better for agreement. Well, software teams to work together instead of having binding over specified expectations or overbearing expectations. So, uh, hey, just want to throw that out there for people who aren't listening. 
Maybe you'll listen. One day, you hear it. So uh, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me in the morning walk. I hope we're recording the content well, and I hope that we actually recorded it well. See ya.